undercurrent. This is Undercurrent, a podcast about art and the rest of the world. Today, I speak to artist Carl Lee, whose show Myoptic was the inaugural exhibition at Undercurrent here in Brooklyn. Myoptic showed from June 6th until July 13th. Carl Lee is a Buffalo-based artist. You can find his work on Vimeo, where his username is Carl J. Lee, C-A-R-L-J-L-E-E. After my conversation with Carl, Undercurrent co-director Yulis Lodavichus joins us to add some thoughts about this inaugural show. Undercurrent is a non-profit, dedicated exhibition platform for art located at 70 John Street in Brooklyn. You'll have opportunities to learn more about Undercurrent in upcoming episodes, but for now you can visit undercurrent70.org and you can give them a follow on Instagram at undercurrent.70. That's undercurrent70.org on the web and undercurrent.70 on Instagram. Recent Instagram posts include photos of my optic, so please check that out again at undercurrent.70. Our talk begins rather abruptly. In the background throughout, you can hear audio from Carl's piece, Last House. And my initial question is about how his exhibition came to be the inaugural exhibition at Undercurrent. Carl, in the meantime, mentions an old space, by which he means Slaw 307, the art space in Chelsea that Yulis used to help manage. And now, Carl Lee on Undercurrent. How I came to the space, well, uh, I guess I've, I've known Julius from, uh, I'm from Buffalo, and he has ties in Buffalo. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he had seen this uh, three-screen projection called Last House, that actually a few years ago now, and I, he had mentioned they were interested in working with that. But I, I think in the old space, like it was difficult to do um, this kind of multiple-screen projection um, so that didn't happen in the old space, but then when they found this new space, they thought of, thought of it again. And, and then I had some new pieces, uh, the, the more sculptural video installation stuff, which I had just finished like that for a, for a show in Buffalo. Um, so it was really good timing. I had things, new things I could show, plus it's this older piece. What was the other part of the question? <laughs> uh, well, we, we can get to that a little, in a little yeah. bit because I think that you're you're veering into describing the show. So I'd, uh, I'd like you to also then describe the show. So it's made up of multiple pieces. Yeah. Um, so there are one, two, three, four pieces in the show. The I guess the most prominent one is this large three-screen projection called Last House, which I made um, actually in 2010. Um, and it has to do with houses and homes and um, in Buffalo there's you know there's a lot of vacancy a lot of abandoned house uh, houses that uh, cause problems um, and so the city wants to demolish them um, pretty aggressively at least at the time they did I, th- I think maybe it slowed down a bit but the mayor had like this 
five and five plan, 5,000 houses in five years. Um, so a lot of homes are being demolished. Um, and I had witnessed one of them, just happened to be walking down the street. And it's just like, uh, it really made an impression on me. If you've never seen a house being demolished, like it takes about two hours and then it's just a pile of rubble. So it just spoke to me about like all these different senses of scale in terms of space and time. Um, maybe I'm going into too much detail about it. But anyway, it's about house demolition and personal spaces, which I, I, have, I seem to have this interest in the theme of homes and houses. Because so there's another piece in here called Telescope House, and that's one of the new pieces. And it's a, it's a wood construction with um, video playing within it. Actually, three videos uh, that, that you look at through one end of the house, uh, and then you can kind of focus through the different layers of the images. And it, like there's, there's a simple kind of optical trick I'm using called Pepper's Ghost, uh, where, which reflects images off of a piece of glass. Um, so you, you can see it, but you can also see through it. And then there's another one called Vision Test, which is a construction kind of in the shape of uh, a souvenir viewer. Uh, and and in, inside that is um, a looping video that was actually inspired by a visit to an eye doctor, like when you look through the autorefractor. Um, I, you always see like the image of a house at the end of a street. Anyway. <laughs> And then the last one is called Home Movies. And that one also is, um, it's a video in a construction mounted on the wall, but you look at it ideally through binoculars across, across the room and it's um, set up in the stairways here. Uh, and that's uh, Home Movies uh, of my father singing karaoke and my daughter and wife chatting and uh, some other footage. <laughs> Um, yeah, so those are the four pieces. So the role of the visual is super present, especially the three new works, because there's, they, they all set up opportunities where you have to very actively be engaged in the, in the process of viewing the pieces. And to me, that expresses itself in the name of the show, this my optic. Can you say a little bit about that in the sense of the, that minus in, in terms of exercising a bit of ownership over the work or ownership over the experience of seeing the work or something like that? Um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Like uh, all the pieces are, are definitely, like it's, it's important, like the viewer is positioned in a very specific way to, to view the piece. Um, so it's like foregrounding that sort of the act of looking at the piece because you're peering through um, a viewer or, or uh, binoculars or you know this this hole in this construction I, I don't know it just it, that interests me like you know thinking about how is the viewer looking at the at the piece like a lot of times like with I mean I, I suppose like even with a painting you know the painter does think about okay what if the person's looking at it from a distance what if they're looking at it close up uh, and I, th I feel like this is a little it's just more specific <laughs> Uh, but there are different ways to approach it, obviously. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely an important part of it. Do you feel that they, that gives you, as an artist, a level of control over the viewing environment in the sense that you can, you can even think of the viewer as my viewer because you know more or less where that person will be, what the focal length will be of, of everything that they see, that sort of stuff? I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's maybe an act of like controlling that. But 
I think it, to me it's more just being interested, interested in making the viewer aware that they're perceiving this through a speci- in a specific way. And maybe, maybe that's controlling. <laughs> but also, I mean, my optic also has, you know, it was a pun, right? So all the pieces are in this, well, all, even with the older piece, it's all pretty personal. Like the one is literally home movies. The telescope house one is about my daughter. Uh, and then the other one is a little bit more abstracted, but it's it's actually me watering plants in front of the house. You know, that's part of the my and myoptic, I guess. And then pun on myopic, right? Like you, you have this kind of very specific view of your your memories, your past, or something like that. Right, right. There's the so. the myopia especially expresses itself in the telescope house because that's the other side of the control thing is that the viewer actually in telescope house has the opportunity to control which of the three screens are in focus at a specific time. And even though home movies is set up in a way to have a preferred mode of viewing, you can because it's not a an extended tube it's possible to watch the video from somewhere else and the third video in in the telescope house is also visible from somewhere else so there are these places where even that can open up and there can be entry points even in yeah for sure um and i think with telescope house i have to give nod to julius who suggested opening up that last house just so you could see the the machinery behind behind the curtain, so to speak, and and I that, I think that does open up a, real, a, a nice, interesting way of approaching the piece as well. But yeah, the the orig, you know sort of that concept of focusing, being able to focus through the different imagery um, or the different screens. Yeah, I mean, it it came out of this idea of trying to spatialize memory in a way. Like, how do I, you know, how do you I mean, you know, home houses are places where all these events happen in your life and you have specific attachments to the space. And then it, I wanted to think about, okay, what if you were kind of moving through the space? Like, how could you do that in this piece? So, yeah, it does, it does allow the viewer to kind of move back and forth through that space, it, which gives them control. I guess that was your point, right? Like, like there's like it's a very specific viewpoint, but there is this room to you know where they make it, it's interactive. They're making choices about yeah how to a, move it's, through. It's a conversation between how how you set it up and then also yeah. how the you you put what may appear like extremely forced constraints in the sense of the opening the aperture is specifically high so you have to bend over to look into it for me all three of the of these installations are at unpleasant heights oh, okay so, yeah, yeah, yeah but i think that that's 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 my problem um but it's but it is it requires a certain kind of focus of my own to put aside the discomfort of being i mean it's not a big deal but i have to be i think on tippy toe to look into into uh into one of these and then bent over for another and, and, oh okay uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh but but you know this is this is normal it's part of yeah that that did, that's that was definitely a, um i mean those those are just some probably physical limitations that i you know maybe inversion 2.0 of this, you know, I might, I might try and f- figure out how to be more accommodating. But I also, I mean, I, you know, partly, yeah, it is like, again, wanting, wanting to make people aware that they're looking through 
something they're perceiving something in a certain way, in, a, in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. The sort of scopic becomes it, this denaturalizes the scopic in a certain mm. certain way because we think of seeing seeing just happens, whereas here it's a very active yeah. seeing. Yeah. How do you see these questions of seeing, etc., in relation to uh, Last House? Like, how do how do you fit it into the into these three other works? Because the the okay. three other works are more or less wooden enclosures that have screens and then a mode of perception built into them that the viewer sees through this box basically but the last house is three screens two uh one is perpendicular to two and the when viewers come here to undercurrent they they sit in folding chairs or whatever chairs are around but their positions sort of as you like it and the projectors are positioned in such a way that one projector's silhouette is visible on, on the wall of the other projectors and so on. So there's a kind of an openness and a largeness that's, that's in, in contrast to the extremely closed tight, mm. closed tightness that you see in the three other works. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think, so I think with Last House, in terms of like the perspective, like the main imagery that you see is a demolition of one house, but films from three different angles, like the front and the two sides. And then it's each of those angles is projected onto one of the screens. So in, and then uh, sort of in conjunction with that, there is, I filmed an interior of a house, you know, my house from, with three different cameras, three different walls of a house. So kind of like playing with this idea of interior and exterior. And so, I, I mean, I think partly I want to, again, make the viewer think about, okay, what, where is the, where am I positioned here? Or like, what, is there a position, you know, a favored position like to view this in? Also just thinking about that, that border between interior and exterior spaces um, has something to do with that. <laughs> and the fact that it's, you know, the, they're basically uncreating this space. In terms of like having the projectors within the space um, and the speakers within the space, um, I mean, I liked, originally we were talking about hanging all the projectors, but uh, I think having them in the space that you're that you're standing in kind of you know bring brings it more it makes it less of like a just a projection on a wall at a distance and it activates this the the actual space a little bit more and i, and I like that it, it was i liked it because it's it's a little sloppy we you see the cables you know you see you know they're just the projectors are on chairs and um i don't know you know made it less less precious. Yeah, that also, that sort of lack of preciousness also underscores the degree to which there's a, a banality to the destruction of these houses that somehow seems at the same time tragic, but also, because I think that that really comes out with the interiors of there's a cat running around, occasionally a person is visible, and there's just objects and the sun shines through Venetian blinds and all this sort of stuff that provides the sense of actually home but then it's just the banality of crushing a bunch of wood and, uh, and not even brick, that's like some kind of brick. Uh, it's a weird house, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the, the house has a, had the facade is wood, one side is aluminum siding it looks like, and the yeah. other side is like a fake brick right. type thing that just comes down right. just like that. Yeah, 
Yes, yeah, it, it was an odd house. It, excuse me. <laughs> I'd been in like constant touch with the demolition company. You know, like where are you going to go today? And I was looking for specifically for a house that had vacant lots on either side, so that I could position the camera. And this was as close as I could come, although that's not uncommon in Buffalo because <laughs> like the other houses have already been demolished. So you've got this maybe one freestanding house on a block. Well, just in the, in the way that the, there's, you really get a sense of the materiality of the oh, house. Yeah, yeah. Kind of right. this, this kind of affective relationship to a thing called a home. Yeah. And then, but it's actually just a pile Material. of stuff that a, yeah. a backhoe is packing down. Yeah while a guy sprays it with water, I guess, so it doesn't set on fire or something? I think, and maybe to keep the dust down. I'm oh, okay. not totally sure why um, why that water, but uh, I think he might have told me that that was why they do that. That makes sense. But, yeah, uh, so it was a weird house because it did have, like, the f three very different um, types of cladding on each side, uh, So, I th which made it interesting to me because at first you're like, that's not the same house, but then you know eventually you figure realize oh that is that is the same house precisely it's yeah. it's the synchronization of the three videos that that is the only hint you have that it's the same house because the the house looks so different yeah. from all three yeah. all three sides yeah, and it was also interesting to me like that it it also kind of reflects the different stages that the house kind of traveled through in, in time, which also relates to like these telescope houses, um, which is a fairly common kind of vernacular structure in, certainly in Buffalo, I think in the whole kind of Rust Belt area. I can describe that a little bit. Like, so there's a, uh, usually it's a sing, you know, kind of a single family working class house that, you know, was built most likely turn of the 20th century, like a lot of houses are in Buffalo were built, you know, um, 1895 19 to 1905 or something, like a lot of structures. But then um, over the generations, the family would add an addition to that first house, but add, add it to the back of the house, and it would be a little smaller, I think, maybe because it's easier to build it that way or whatever. And then later on would add even another addition, slightly smaller. <laughs> Uh, so that's, you'd see, once you realize that that's like a type, you see it everywhere in, in Buffalo. And uh, there's a guy, I think his name is David Schill, Schillpaul. He did kind of a photographic series that's really nice about telescope houses, I think particularly in Buffalo. But what I liked about that was also, it was like this structure that, I mean, it's a type, but it's also a type based on what happens across time you know, uh, like... You don't design a, tele a telescope house. Right, it, it kind of happens, and then um, it just raises a question of, like, if you were to preserve this house, like, what does that mean to preserve? Like, does it mean to go back to the original structure? Like, what's its true form, in a way? <laughs> I guess... It's also interesting... doing a bad job of explaining that. But <laughs> no, but it, no, that's great, but it's... Because it's... What's most fascinating to me... It, about the description that you're giving is the sense that it's it's built, the big part comes first. Because, uh, so I'm comparing to like, my father lived in a, in a small cottage when I was an, a teenager. He lived in like a one bedroom house. And 
then once he started up a new family with my sisters and so on, he had to expand. So he added a huge addition that had a second floor and a, and a completely brand new kitchen and all this kind of stuff. And so you imagine the property as a reflective of a certain kind of prosperity in the sense that mm. it, it gets bigger and nicer as time goes on. Whereas mm. here it's, it's a sort of diminishing returns. Like the, there's, there's a third generation living in this house, but they get the teeniest part of it or something, you know, not concretely that way, right. but, but it sort of looks like that, that you, you need more space, but there's no prosperity attached to that mm. need. Yeah, that's interesting too to think about it that way. Because it's impossible to look at the, the to look at last house without thinking about it in terms of of the Rust Belt, as you mentioned. One way is, is a kind of myopic view of industrialization and deindustrialization in the U.S. and in the Rust Belt in particular. Yeah. And it may have already been coded ahead of time with these telescope houses. Maybe. Like it, yeah. yeah it, it 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 was uh, unsustainable. Yeah. Oh, just another, I mean, part part of the I think another reason it's kind of that uh, the expansion happens that way is like there's a lot of like narrow lots in Buffalo, but yeah, there is this definitely this my, myopia in terms of like Buffalo is having a bit of a revival. It's still like the population is half the capacity of you know city was is sized for a population of like six hundred thousand but there's less than 300,000, you know, living there now. But there, it's having a bit of revival, there's new development. But it's interesting, like there's, you know, there, there are not kind of like the scale of Brooklyn, certainly, but, you know, there's new developments, new condos, things like that. They're, well, like they're new builds, but you've got all these gorgeous houses that use wood that you could never get anymore, you know, nowadays, but like those stand often abandoned, like, you know, they're not going to, it's not worth it to try and renovate those things or they're in the bad part of the, you know, the town or something like that. So it's interesting. I mean, like, I don't know who exactly is moving into these new apartment buildings, but they are going up and it seems like there's some disconnect between. <laughs> so you're, you're Back. from Buffalo and you've lived there your whole life? Or? No, um, I mean, I'm from there now. I, I lived, we've, we, uh, we lived there, we moved there in 2003. So uh, that's 16 years. The number keeps going up. Uh, funny. Yeah, I, I actually grew up um, in downstate, just a suburb of New York City. But yeah, we moved there. My wife got a job there and then I got a job there and we have a kid there yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what so how has Buffalo played a large role in your in your artistic expression or do you think do you feel a certain kind of uh, aesthetic relationship with the city aesthetic uh, I mean definitely you know with these these pieces I mean there, there's there's absolutely a connection to that place you know with the structures and with certainly with last house you know the uh, it's very much about space and place um i mean i don't i'm not sure it's hard to say like you know what that means to to be a buffalo artist i mean there's a there's a lot of, i mean it's a it's a surprisingly lively cultural uh, culturally active city for you know it's like a 
small to mid-sized city. Uh, but there's a lot going on in there for sure, and a lot of opportunities. It's livable, like, you, you know, an artist can live relatively cheaply there and work, you know, at some job, but then still have time and resources to do their own thing, so. So Last House isn't a centerpiece of a revitalized Buffalo type campaign or something like that? I don't think it's gonna, no. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be on the Chamber of Commerce website. That's well, the, the hose, uh, so there's, there's the persistent hose that's washing, that's collecting all the dust, the mm -hmm. water is getting spread on there. And one of the other effects of it is that it's also uh, putting out the potential of a fire um, that, and here I'm speaking metaphorically, like a, a phoenix-like fire. Because mm. the, these, these lots are getting, uh, these houses are getting demolished, but it's not because there's imminent new construction. They're just clearing lots. And a lot of them, yeah. It's just... Um Right. It's not because somebody's going to build, uh, you know, Whole Foods there or something like that. It's just because it's an eyesore and attracts whatever, uh, brings down the property value or something like that. And then the the last question I had about about Last House was about the, the silhouettes and the relationship that the silhouette has as a 19th century, 18th century, etc., art form that pre-exists, obviously, video pre-exists photography mm. and so on, how, that, how the silhouettes of the house tie in with, with, uh, with the video. Um, if you could talk you're about talking about the silhouettes of the structures yes. themselves, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think partly I came on that just from thinking about the, the shape of the house, which to me, you know, it's very, like, iconic, like it's this triangle on a on a square kind of thing I mean just wanting to emphasize that that was one kind of one motivation maybe um, also just isolating it in space because I wanted to think about the structure that is separate from its setting but also a part of it I mean I think I want I, it's it was maybe largely you know more intuitive than anything else but those are some of the things I was thinking about but the also the iconicity lends a universality I didn't know that it was Buffalo when I, when I sat down to watch the videos. I had no idea. It had a certain kind of Rust Belt feel to it, but it it reminded me, for example, of houses built on the southwest side of Chicago. Like there's, It has, the silhouette underscores the legibility, at least within an American mm -hmm. urban, northern American urban vernacular of this place as, as everyone's potential home. Right, and right. Then, yeah, I mean, I definitely have to say, like, uh, when I first moved to Buffalo, that, like, that vernacular wooden single-family house structure, uh, which is uh, a large part of Buffalo, like, really struck me, because it, it did feel like, yeah, variations on this kind of archetype, which, which right, I mean, like, we have this image of the single-family house that's pretty, yeah, it's iconic, and I definitely was thinking about that, or that's certainly something that struck me when I moved to Buffalo. But it, Buffalo definitely, again, when I moved there, felt like more Midwest than East Coast. That's maybe an aspect of the deindustrialized nature. Is yeah. That it, is that it, it, it feels the effects of what you see in Ohio and, and in Detroit and that sort of stuff. When we associate with the Midwest, the Rust Belt is part of the Midwest, it's not part of the East Coast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The East Coast is doing great. But, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right. Although uh, I was staying with friends in Flatbush, and actually that part of town kind of reminded me, like it was a lot of these wooden house structures. I mean, yeah, Bushwick looks like that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Is that maybe a, no? It's flat. Yeah, it's like yeah. some border of that. But uh, so, what's what's next? What are you up to now? I mean, I I've, I do feel like I can do more with this telescope house sort of um, Pepper's ghost thing and, I, and there are things I want to try with that. I actually um, was teaching a 16 millimeter film production class um, recently, last semester. Uh, I work at the University of Buffalo and it really got me back into thinking about uh, analog film and I have uh, I found some old footage that I had shot for a project that I'm, that I'm excited to revisit. And then if uh, people want to find you online or something? Yeah, you know, my website is not existing yet, but I, I have a Vimeo account, Carl J. Lee. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Carl. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, do you uh, want anything to say? Uh, I just uh, want to tell, when we try to figure out who we're going to show first, you know, uh, we, I mean, uh, Laura, uh, the Vetskaite, and Dinah Maris, and me. So, <laughs> somehow we looked what we thought before we have, and it was so natural that everyone liked cows. For, for many reasons, first of all, it's kind of, uh, uh, because <laughs> Dumbo is also a very gentrified area. So, you know, we here, we got this place because we're in front of this G plan, so big developers cannot uh, build fancy condo. That's only why we're here. So it's for us was, and also this is demolition house, and uh, we cannot build it something here. But the, the temporaneous in New York, it's it's very you know, it's not exactly like uh, Buffalo or Detroit, but. In a way, you you move, you live, you get it, and after time, you know, it's going to disappear. You know, so I saw only this piece, the free video film, in a big museum in Buffalo, which was presented as kind of like Chelsea Gallery style, each at like a separate wall, mm -hmm. more like more formal video, like. Uh, and I don't know, that was a long time ago. And I, I saw the cow's pieces, these uh, objects, only in his house. I didn't see the show. And when he brought his pieces here, basically, we, we didn't think too much. We didn't have a super script how it's going to look. But I think everyone involved got very happy how it turned out that it's, it's open, it's informal. And all these chords, uh, we kind of, uh, you know, makes uh, not like a film experience, but, but more like installation film. Uh, so it's also the, the st st staircase or platforms. It's, it's, I, I don't know that Telescope House is not your creation, the word. I don't know all the story. I thought you made a title because of telescope. Oh. <laughs> I don't know that it's. I know what Gauss is talking now, but oh, okay. you know. So yeah. for me now, it was kind of interesting, you know. <laughs> anyway, so so, but basically, the three pieces, 
we, we had this crafty moment, you know. I mean, the cords in telescope house and, and all these uh, wooden things and uh, stuff like that. I mean, something to do, it's more connection with the houses. If you, don't have, if you just have videos, it can look more cold and, and more like documentary. You know, somebody else, maybe more like Andy Warhol style person, maybe uh, they would make a whole project for five years filming hundreds of these houses. And after they have like India Center, you walk in and hundreds of houses demolished all the time, you know. Well, you know. the, the cords and stuff also, our houses have cords lying around everywhere and we, we keep saying, well, at least mine, uh, we keep saying, I'll clean up, I'll, I'll get my, these cables in order, I'll, I'll get a new extension cord, so that, uh, and, and all these plans and fantasies about achieving some kind of order over your space, and then it's, it's a losing battle, <laughs> you're never going to have that kind of control or have that kind of order? In reality, today, it's, uh, you know, industry creates so much stuff, uh, starting from clothing. If, if, you, if you rationally can save everything, probably you don't need to make anything for a long time, you know. You know but, you know, cars, everything, just like, you know, half is basically turns into garbage right away. The same with houses, you know. So maybe that's, uh, that's actually one way to think about that, that pile of rubble at the end and, and if thinking about it in terms of a phoenix then that we can, without sounding too bombastic about it, think of undercurrent as kind of the phoenix that crawls out of the, uh, out of the house, out of the demolished house. And cool. so that in that way it's, it's perfectly fitting as, as the opening show because it shows something at its end. Well, the, this one piece, Last House, shows something at its end and then, but this is a space for beginning and a space for rebirth. Maybe I'll just stop. <laughs> That does it for the inaugural Undercurrent podcast, speaking to Carl Lee, the artist behind Undercurrent's inaugural show. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes or however you listen to podcasts. The Undercurrent space in Brooklyn will be closed for the rest of the summer, but the podcasting about art and the rest of the world will continue in preparation for the first full season of exhibitions in the beginning of September. Again, Undercurrent is a non-profit dedicated exhibition platform for art located at 70 John Street in Brooklyn. You can learn more about Undercurrent at undercurrent70.org. That's undercurrent70.org. If you would like to support Undercurrent financially, that's also possible and greatly appreciated. The link to donate is on the website. Finally, you can give Undercurrent a follow on Instagram at undercurrent.70. I'm Moisir P. de Sapereira, and thanks for listening.